to the government of the Soviet Union. There's a long discussion on that. And uh, the consensus developed that uh, the primary thought was that, as Janelle pointed out, it was as an institution. We had to look at the Soviet Union as an institution. That if we didn't get invited there, there was no way on this side of going to the moon that we're going to be able to ever go to Russia. But that's the way it was. You just can't walk in. That's the way the political system was set up. And it did not imply an endorsement of the Soviet system. So that was the decision. And the first vote on that, probably in the trustees, maybe there were six or seven people out of the 21 who were opposed to maybe more than that. So we went back again and voted. And it wound up that only one person abstained from voting. I remember that vote very clearly. So 20 out of the 21 trustees with one abstention approved that particular initiative. Well, Warren G. Five, uh, I've written down, okay to disagree, and as Peter W. said, it's okay to be disagreeable. Um, and I quote, no conference action shall ever be personally punitive or an incitement to public controversy. Um, we should not ever enter into public controversy even in, in self-defense. And uh, it says here, namely, complete silence at the public level. If the criticism of AA is partly or wholly justified, it may be well to acknowledge this privately to the critics with our thanks. Um, even in public violations of AA traditions, our, it says our own members may, may try to use the AA name for their private purposes. Aggressive or punitive action, even in this area, must be omitted. Um, GSO is not a police operation. We can only offer AA's experience as a matter of information. Great. Uh, I, I've, had, I've had members of AA call me up, you know, and say, hey, the way they're running this meeting here uh, on uh, Roosevelt Island is in violation of all the traditions. Come over here, Des, and, and take care of it. I mean, we just don't do that. You know, if you want to screw up, you're welcome to screw it up. Eventually, it'll adjust itself because you're going to have people who are going to say, this is not the way to do it. Uh, and the sixth warranty, I've written down conformity to the traditions and steps. Um, the conference may act for the, it says that, that though the conference may act for the service of Alcoholics Anonymous, it shall never perform any acts of government. And um, there's something that sums it up at the bottom here that I'll read. Is freedom under God to grow in his likeness and image will ever be the quest of Alcoholics Anonymous. May our general service conference be always seen as a chief symbol of this cherished liberty. So you can understand what a privilege it is to be a trustee because when you go through this process of seeing people screw up and AA saying, that's okay, that's fine. You say, wow, you know, life is about a lot of imperfection. Life is about a lot of grays. Life is about a lot of screwing up. And it's all fine. That's what AA says. What freedom that is. Because you don't have to correct anybody anymore. They can go do whatever they want to do. And that's what this is saying. Number uh, six, the concept number six, talks about the establishment of the General Service Board as being the chief initiators and providing the active responsibility for keeping things moving in the course of a year and at the conference itself. 
Joe? Hi, everybody. My name's Joe. I'm a great recovering alcoholic. And I'll just read the concepts six on this. On behalf of AA as a whole, our general service conference has the principal responsibility for the maintenance of our world service. And it traditionally has the final decision respecting large matters of general policy and finance. But the conference also recognizes that the chief initiative and the active responsibility of most of these matters should be exercised primarily by the trustees, members of the conference, when they act among themselves as the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, while up, I want to thank Phil for doing all this writing, because I had no idea what was going on. He says, you're number six. But being the true alcoholic I am, I accepted it. You know, and, uh, but he had down here on concept six, uh, he had a figure like $20 million a year plus 120 people delegates decide spending the allocations, you know, and, uh, and I, I am, he's, he has the ninth tradition down here, so I think that covers like both of them, you know, and then he put down a little recipe here. Well, maybe we can ask, the ninth, how does the ninth tradition fit into that, Phil? Coming back down. Okay. Well, uh, read, read the ninth tradition, somebody, so we can. Good. Good. Okay, Phil, put down a little recipe here. Take 120 people, delegates, plus 20 million dollars annually, mix well. Equals continuous confusion. Add, com add concept six. I thought that was pretty good. And he was talking about, you know, how the money sometimes is, uh, is mostly allocated uh, to the AA World Service and uh, publishing and grapevine. And now it's already been gone over by Desi, you know. And, uh, you know, when we're talking like in the 60s, there's only a half a million dollars they had to work with. And uh, in the 90s, they get almost 20 million. And, uh, they have, they, they have it now in a cooperative form rather than government or institutional forms, you know, and uh, I can understand where you're coming, but that's to where they can invest money and, and uh, you know, I, I do imagine where you're on. Like they do make investments. And they invest in, the, the, the reserve fund gets invested in a bank, CDs, and we have a money manager who, yeah. who runs that. Right. But it has to be handled prudently. I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Then, then we had here take $20 million annually, add 120 or 130 delegates, and decide how this money is allocated for AA's best interest, for the operation of the, uh, the fellowship, you know. And then he had down here, you, you add the board of trustees with final authority for allocation issues and continu continuity. You know, and then, then we had down here delegates plus trustees equal bad decision. And if you have bad decisions in the delegation and the trustees, you go back to the original operating structure to maintain the existence. How much did I follow that, Phil? The way that structure set up also is it can change at any time. And if the structure changes at that, at that higher level in the... Uh, 
the delegate structure or the trustee structure? It'd be the trustee structure. If they decide, yeah. if they decide the way I've read, I've read it, if they decide, well, we're going to change this operating procedure and go into something new, yeah. they never completely dismantle the old one in right. case they have to drop right back, back to, to it. it. Right. And that's that's what's good about the corporate structure because in your government structure, or in your uh, that that second structure, which is like your institutional structure, generally, if something doesn't work, the whole thing is scrapped. It would take forever to bring it back in again. Mm -hmm. okay. But this one always keeps everything in kind of a, a readiness in case that okay. doesn't work or the people don't like it. Then they can always we can take out this. This didn't work and, and bring the other one back in. Okay. Later. Okay. That's it. That, no, that sound all right to you. That's, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, we were looking at the long-range range issues. You know, there was like 160 million. No, and I'm sorry, 1960s were half a million dollars. In the 1990s, there's 20 million. Now they're talking about what will be in the future. Uh huh. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. Joe. Good. Thanks. Joe. I wanted to give Shari a hand. We didn't do that. She had great bravery in coming up here. I wanted to give Shari a hand. We didn't do that. She had great bravery in coming up here. The, um, uh, one of the points to make there is that I mentioned the number 20, that's a round number, 20 million bucks, but, you know, all the operations come out of that. So the grapevine pretty much runs as a break-even. In fact, they lose some money. I think they probably lost money this year. I haven't looked at their numbers. Um, AAWS generally makes some money, but that's not $20 million. They may make a few hundred thousand dollars, which then gets put into this reserve fund. So the 6 or $7 million at the reserve fund, you don't make that in a year. It may take you 10 years to make that, that reserve. So it's an accumulation of money that's got to be preserved in case some emergency uh, arose. Um, and the other point here is that the trustees, the General Service Board is composed of, here's how it breaks up. There are seven non-alcoholic trustees who are chosen for their professional capabilities. There are, the other 21 trustees are composed as follows. There are regional trustees who come from the, the northeast region, the southwest the far west, uh, two areas in Canada. And then there are four general service trustees. These are all uh, recovered alcoholic uh, trustees who are made up of the representatives from the Grapevine Board and the AAWS Board. And they're elected annually. There's rotation going on all the time. I mean, we talked about the principles by which this whole thing is run. Uh, one of the ones is one of the principles is rotation. It happens all the time. The delegates themselves, I mentioned this before, they're elected for two years. But every year, half the delegates rotate out. So there's new people coming in, new blood coming in. There are new trustees coming in all the time. There are generally some new staff people coming in. So you have fresh air coming in along with a solid rock base of uh, people who have been there for a while. Um, what I'd like to uh, move into now is uh, concept number nine, which talks about the creation of leaders. Talking about the, the, the conference is structured that way. How are these leaders cultivated? And Israel's going to talk about that. My name is Israel, and I'm an alcoholic. Concept 9 reads, Good service leaders, together with sound and appropriate methods of choosing them, 
are at all levels indispensable for our future functioning and safety. The primary World Service leadership, once exercised by the founders of AA, must necessarily be assumed by the trustees of the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our understanding of this is that, um, indeed, sobriety is a miracle, that it is very sacred, and that it was transmitted to us by our founders, Dr. Bob and Bill W., but that those founders, of course, had to go on and serve in a different way, and somehow their leadership had to be transmitted. And the wisdom is that that leadership is transmitted through a process of carefully selecting people to serve in their place. And the hallmark of, of that leadership is the principle of anonymity, the principle of humility. And that's why we don't have anybody who is permanently a trustee, that that leadership is rotated, and uh, that those leaders are chosen because of their example, the example being their uh, humble service, uh, that whatever position they, they hold is a position they hold in trust and that they understand themselves always to be servants. Um, we related that then to several of the traditions, uh, 2, 3, 8, 9, 11, and 12. I'll not read those. You can check those out for yourself. And uh, we went on then to... to the principles are what? What were, what were the principles? The principle being the, the uh, humble service, that uh, God alone is Lord of the conscience, um, to quote a Presbyterian tradition, which seems to be appropriate here, um, that this is not something that we own, but that uh, we are led um, to experience, that, that God is the ultimate authority. Um, and the rest of us are simply humble servants who are trying to figure out what it is God is doing next. Um, we then related that to our own our own service, and and we highlighted specifically that uh, Nancy exercises this in her weekly activity of making lunch here at Wilson House, and and um, Others of us uh, serve as secretaries in groups, but that it's always a rotational kind of, of leadership. It's never a permanent position. And we see that at work then as this concept is exercised in, in the leadership at the highest level of our fellowship. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and I think that very much that very much is the, are the guiding principles. You know, um, what happens is that as you go through the service structure, you know, being a representative of your group, and then on the district level, um, and then maybe on the delegate level, your experiences in sobriety, in in relating to the people with whom you're working, are the things that are going to make you the leader. And some people are going to react to that one way and some another way. And then people get to be delegates, and then from delegates people get to be appointed members of committees and then members of the, the General Service Board. And all that process is the AA way of doing things. 
And some of us, I mean, I came out, my experience I told you last night, I mean, I, I was kidding around about telling the joke and getting uh, on the board. And I mean, I feel that way about it. I had, I had the foggiest idea what I was getting into. And it was just kind of one of those things. People said, hey, you know, you think you, I think you'd be good. And I said, okay. And so I just kept saying, okay, okay, okay. And um, that's my story. But somebody else's story is that there are people who, who want to do that. I mean, they'd set out that they want to be a delegate. I threaten, I always threaten the members of the conference that, you know, guys, I was never elected a delegate. So what I could do is I could come back in another lifetime, if you guys aren't nice to me, and become a regional trustee as opposed to a general service trustee. But I mean, to do, I, I, I don't even want to think about that. But, <laughs> that's, neither do they. That's right. Anyhow, but the, the point is that, and also the point is that uh, I've been fortunate, I've been blessed by that experience. The experience of service has been an important part of my sobriety. And to be able to hand that on to somebody else is a great privilege. I don't need to go down and grab it anymore, you know. Somebody else can do it. What I'd like to do now is, is take a look at um, how these entities all relate. I mean, we've established the delegates, we've established the conference, we've established the leadership of the trustees. How, what are the principles by which these people relate? And when you look at concepts three, four, and five, the right of decision, the right of participation, and the right of appeal. These are some of the things that facilitate relationships getting established in a good way. Because remember all the character defects that you came in here with and are now freed from. Today. Well, once in a while, those surface in a conference. So if you revert back to a right of decision, to a right of participation, and to a right of appeal, in dealing with those, you can continue the dialogue. You can continue the relationship. It doesn't break down. People don't walk off into a corner and say, I'm not going to play anymore. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to do this. People come back, and they take their shots, and they start again. So let's, uh, group number three, the right of decision. <laughs> Two or more, right? Hi. <laughs> Hello, I'm Eileen. I'm an alcoholic. <clears throat> and I'm charged with explaining this concept three, which I barely understand, but I'll give it a go. Um, and it reads, a traditional means of creating and maintaining a clearly defined working relation between the groups, the conference, the AA General Service Board, and its several service corporations, staffs, committees, and executives, and thus ensuring their effective leadership. It is here suggested that we endow each of these elements of world service with a traditional right of decision. Okay, now as I understand this, um, this has to do with effective leadership and proficiency. It's getting things done. Yeah? <laughs> okay. And uh, that there are these entities within the structure, and they have, they're autonomous unto themselves, but they still have a relation to the other, um, the other entities. The delegates and are autonomous, the Grapevine Board is autonomous, the AWS Board is autonomous, and the 
GS3, General Service Board's autonomous, just as Eileen said. Okay. And the, um, I think at the heart of this is the issue of the trusted servant. Um, and in the description, the explanation of this, um, it says the charter provisions cannot by themselves ensure f smooth functioning and proper leadership at, s at, at the several different levels of service which are involved. And um, it talks about then how the group conscience very often will uh, determine what the GSR reports and so forth, you know. And the GSR very often will be just a messenger of what the group wants to say. However, when you're in a larger format of a, um, of a meeting, um, perhaps other issues are brought up and there are other perspectives that are brought into bear. And so what happens at that moment is that person has to make a decision, perhaps not in accordance with what the group conscience had dictated. And this is the right of decision. And, um, so the delegate doesn't have to vote the way his district told him to vote, is the point. Yeah. That the district has got to have the confidence in that delegate that they're going to see all the issues that have been surfacing. I mean, when you walk into that conference with 120 people, with all these various people coming from different places, your vision gets opened up tremendously. And so that person has to rely upon their best judgment. And that's where it simply comes down to and says, nevertheless, the instructed delegate who cannot act on his own conscience in a final conference vote is not a trusted servant. All he is is just a messenger. I think that's important to understand. It's a real spiritual concept. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> um, this really means that we ought to trust our responsible leaders to decide within the understood framework of their duties how they will interpret and apply their own authority and responsibility to each particular problem or situation as it arises. This sort of leadership discretion should be the essence of the right of decision. And at the end, the last paragraph starts with, our entire AA program rests squarely upon the principle of mutual trust. And I think that's the, the, um, the tradition that this probably bears the heaviest on is the, is the trusted servant. Also with the, 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 the um, I don't remember the number, <laughs> and uh, the other one about uh, each group, each, each entity being autonomous. Um, what is that tradition of four? Four, thank you. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, and I think that it supports the strength of recovering alcoholics because it forces us to trust more and to be, to be more open and accepting and to listen. And I think it minimizes the weaknesses of AA because I think we all have a need to control and have things our own way. Anybody identify with that? You know, so um, this is kind of like just relying on the third step that, you know, that whatever the right decision uh, or the right action that is the ultimate um, or the final outcome might not be our particular choice, but perhaps might be the better one. Correct. And you had an example, uh, Des had an example of how the, the different boards or the different entities relate to one another in bearing with a particular issue that came up a couple of years ago uh, regarding one of the, um, uh, the uh, staff members. Well, what, what happened was that um, 
that at one point in time, the, uh, the trustees were concerned about the leadership on the grapevine. So they appointed committees and they appointed advisors and outside firms to examine the structure of the grapevine. And um, as a result of that, the, um, the, the woman who was running the grapevine got her nose very out of joint and decided to resign. And that caused great trauma. The years I served as a trustee were, were, um, were, were pointed, were, were signalized by two great traumas. One was the grapevine trauma, the other one was the general service trauma. They tell me that these days the meetings are really fun to go to. But um, that was very traumatic for AA to have the general manager, not the general manager, the, the grapevine um, managing editor resign. And um, what happened in the fellowship, uh, to give you an example, was that people get nervous about that. They're saying, what did the trustees do? What did the grapevine board do? So I remember very specifically, I was, uh, just after this happened, um, I was a director of the grapevine at the time, and I had to go to, uh, um, where's Martin Luther King from? What was this town that he was from? Where is it? Yeah, well, no, it wasn't Birmingham, but it was someplace in Alabama, though. But um, I had to go down there to give... Is it Alabama? Wherever his church is. Anyway, it's, it's, not, it's not important. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. And um, we had a forum down there, and uh, so I was the new grapevine director tossed into the hot seat uh, to make a presentation on the grapevine. And, of course, everybody knew. The first question out of the box when I finished was, did the trustees act in accordance with the concepts and the traditions in allowing what happened at the grapevine to happen. And there was a faction there that was really upset. I mean, really upset. You know how we get. So I had to answer the question honestly because I was a grapevine director and I had had a lot of trauma myself with what was going on at the trustee level because I wasn't a trustee. I was a director. So I'm hammering at the trustees and I wrote a letter to Gordon Patrick using my right of appeal, who was the chairman of the board. And I said, you got one. And in, in essence, what I did was I, I cited the, the concepts. And I said, it doesn't seem to me that you as trustees are acting in accordance with these concepts. He never responded to them. And that just got me more and more, more, and more furious, as you can imagine. So I finally grabbed them at one of the, one of the weekends. And I said, uh, Gordon... You know, I wrote you this letter, I, I carboned all the trustees, and this is three months have gone by. I haven't heard a single word about it. So we sat down, we talked for a half hour about it. I felt better, I understood it. And then he had two of the trustees visit me to, uh, to find out, you know, what was on my mind really, and to, uh, and, to, and to understand that I understood that uh, the trustees could fire me if they wanted to fire me. But I didn't really care. I mean, what, what's the point? I mean, either, either we're going to work according to these concepts or we're not. And so we had a discussion. And as it, as it turned out, a great deal of soul-searching went on in putting pressure on the grapevine. The managing director resigned. I mean, my counsel to the managing director was, don't resign. You don't have to do anything. Just wait it out. You'll never get fired. 
They worry about the fire. But she decided to resign. And I hope that was better for her because it turned out better for the grapevine. The other trauma was the general service trauma in which um, the trustees had to make a decision about the running of the general service office. And the man that had been selected by the previous board of trustees was a square peg in a round hole. Terrific sobriety, terrific delegate, terrific regional trustee, but the wrong man for the job for lots and lots of reasons, which uh, there's no need to go into. It took the General Service Board three and a half years, approximately. And during this time, I was a trustee, so every single meeting that we had, this was an issue on the table. It was a killer, i got to tell you. It was a horrible thing to have to be talking about. And though finally the decision was made to ask that person to uh, resign, or if he wasn't, wasn't going to resign, that he should be terminated. And now, once that decision is made by the trustees, remember, the trustees own the corporation. They're all, they're, they're, they're the, so they can do whatever they want to do. Conference has got no say about that. This is operations of the corporation. The trustees are charged with operating the corporation through, and here's the catch, through the directors of that corporation. So what do the trustees do? The trustees then say to the AAWS Board of Directors, AAWS Board, our recommendation with substantial unanimity is to terminate Mr. ABC. Well, it took us three and a half years to get to that point. We're handing down to another independent... Remember, this board has the right of decision. They can say, forget it, trustees. We're not going to do that. They have that right. And this is what this is talking about. They've had that right. So, it took them a little while before they were willing to go along with the decision. On the other one, where the managing editor resigned, it was easy. I mean, I would, I would, have, I would have, if the trustees had said to us, fire her, I would have fought that to the death. They would have fired me. And that would have been fine. But with her, resigning was easy. All you had to say was, well, she resigned. No big deal. We accept. Here, it was, a, it was a proactive action that the board had to take. And it took them a while to discuss it, go through all the pros and cons, because remember, the board is made up not just of trustees. There are non-trustee directors on the board. There's that balance, again, in the structure. There are non-trustee directors on the AAWS board who weren't party to that decision, which happened in caucus only with the general service board. The directors who are non-trustees are not invited to the meetings of the general service board. So, those people are saying, What's that? what the hell are they doing? What's that board doing? Forgetting sometimes that the board has a right of decision. General Service Board has a right of decision. Just as we had to remember that the AAWS board had a right of decision. So, there you go. Okay, number four. The right of participation. Round of applause, Riley. Good job, Riley.
My name's Chip Barslow. I'm an alcoholic. Hi. Member of the Holyoke Noontime Group and uh, Early Sobriety in Western Massachusetts, Holyoke. Uh, I was going to ask that uh, all the uh, members of uh, Group Number Four raise their hands, but uh, two of them are out praying for the success of this presentation. <laughs> and Pat's ready to catch me in case uh, I go. We did all participate. Uh, it's Leo, Peter, Pat, Ozzy, two goats, and uh, a conference sheep. Uh, myself. We, uh, as far as the meaning of the concept goes, uh, I think probably the best way to do it would be if we all counted off one through twelve, starting with Andre. <laughs> uh, I thought this was an excellent format to, uh, to bring in the participation aspect of uh, one of the conference principles. And it's, it was great in group number four because we started out with two, and then we got two new members. And our sobriety ranges from very new to uh, a little bit less new. And uh, everybody had something to say. And, and I think that's the spirit. Uh, that's the principle of this concept. Uh, how it relates to uh, recovery, uh, I've always been better served if I make uh, the principles personal to me. And uh, I've done that with the steps. I've done that with the traditions. Traditions uh, are now steps uh, 13 through 24, and the concepts are quickly becoming uh, steps 25 through 36. <clears throat> the other thing that helps with understanding and using these uh, for recovery is uh, through the practice of the principles. And um, the concepts, uh, I think, show us a better way not only to serve the fellowship, but to serve our groups and to serve each other uh, within the fellowship, and also to better serve uh, those outside, as do the uh, as does the principle of uh, participation. Uh, at the conference level, experts and uh, informed people uh, are brought in to uh, participate. Um, in particular, on the grapevine, uh, there are people with uh, publishing and management expertise who are not AA members, who are not trustees but who serve and who also vote at the conference level to improve our service of carrying the uh, AA message. Uh, briefly, the, uh, the right of participation uh, allows me as uh, a participant to show respect, to show support, and to actually invite participation at all levels of uh, recovery and service. Uh, the responsibility of participation as we saw it, were that risks would be taken, uh, commitments would be made, and resolutions would be brought about through that equal participation where um, everyone is equal, everyone has a right, and uh, through rotation, uh, there's always fresh blood uh, through really, in effect, forcing other people to, uh, to come in to participate while asking that other people leave and cease uh, that level, at least, of participation. Uh, on a, another personal level, uh, in my area, we have uh, two members of the area committee who 
are not actually on the area committee. One is the institution committee, which is the oldest committee in Western Mass and has always been independent with its own treasury, its own elected slate of officers, its own articles of purpose, its own bylaws. Yet they have a vote and are always welcome at the area committee. The other is the intergroup committee, which again is AA members doing AA work with AA money, but outside the conference structure. And they too always have a vote and are welcome at our area committee meetings. The newest is all the young people's committees that meet in Massachusetts, throughout Massachusetts. And they all have a voice on our committee. And our own particular young people's conference committee has a vote also. But all the Massachusetts committees have a voice. And the third personal experience with participation involves, in our area, special needs. Not only the hearing impaired and the deaf, but also the blind. We try to address or are trying to at least look at the needs of people new to our community. Visitors who are there for business purposes, such as Des described yesterday. Is there a language barrier? Is there a safety and security barrier? Anybody can call in a group and get the location of a meeting. But we need to tell those who are unfamiliar, is it safe? Is that part of town safe at night for someone like you? We also need to address the hospitalized and the homebound. Do they have full right of participation? Do we make it easy for them to participate at all levels in Alcoholics Anonymous? There's a quote out of the service manual that says, the conference is far more concerned with policies, plans, and actions, which are to take effect in the future. To take away the votes of trustees and service workers on such questions would obviously be unwise. Why should our conference be deprived of the votes of such knowledgeable people as these? And of course, that needs to be extended to the knowledge, the considerations, and concerns of all people who might be members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the last point, or one of the last two points that we made is, we cannot cooperate if we are not allowed to participate. And cooperation seems more spiritually sound and viable than just affiliation. We need to remove obstacles to participation. We need to remember that any member can have an issue addressed at the conference level. And in looking at all the traditions that were touched by this one concept, the only ones that weren't were 6, 7, and 10. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. Excellent summary on how that applies to the local level, too, in terms of participation. So now we've had decision, participation, and now appeal, which is concept number five. We have Michelle speak about that. Somebody checked out of room number 22, by the way, at the marble ledge and left some items in the room, in case you're here. That's you, Jane. We're here to protect the rights of the minority. Good. 
for a little illustration. <laughs> My name is Michelle, an alcoholic. Concept 5 is, throughout our world services structure, a traditional right of appeal ought to prevail, thus assuring us that minority opinion will be heard and that petitions for the redress of personal grievances will be carefully considered. We discussed this concept um, some more today, and the major points that we got from this were the right of appeal uh, for the minority to speak out and and not only for uh, the right for them to speak out, but the need for them to speak out in AA structure. The redress of, of uh, grievances so that um, people who have uh, minority opinion are able to speak out and, and let the group know where what the total balance is so that everyone knows not only the majority, but the minority opinion. It goes in accordance with Tradition 3 in that it protects the rights of the individuals because the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Um, these people are, anyone is able to attend meetings and say what they believe, and especially in the group conscience meetings, and be heard. Uh, the whole structure depends on minority rule because important, the, the important group because it is important for the group to be informed of a whole range of opinions. Like I said before, that gives a balance so that they know exactly what, uh, where everyone is coming from. And especially in selecting de delegates, if they don't have a two-thirds ma majority uh, rule of the state or provincial authority, all the candidates are put in a hat and the results are left to our higher power. Um, so it's it, this may weaken the democracy because it also focuses on the minority, but in the long run, it strengthen, strengthens democracy because the minority is allowed to be heard and less resentments are, are built up over this. Everyone is able to say their piece, and therefore they're all considered. Unity is a priority. Even though the majority rule is obvious, there is no need for a quick decision. Everyone should be heard. Um, five, concept 5 warns us against the tyranny of the majority. And we have a quote here from the AA service manual. More than a century ago, a young French nobleman named de Tocqueville came to America to look at the new republic. Though many of his friends had lost their lives and fortunes in the French Revolution, de Tocqueville was a worshipful admirer of democracy. His writings on government by the people and for the people are classics never more carefully studied than at the present time. Throughout his po political speculation, de Tocqueville insisted that the greatest danger to democracy would always be the tyranny of apathetic, self-seeking, uninformed, or angry majorities. Only a truly dedicated citizenry, quite willing to protect and conserve minority rights and opinions, could, he thought, guarantee the existence of a free and democratic society. All around us in the world today, we are witnessing the tyranny of majorities and the even worse tyranny of very small minorities invested with absolute power. The Tocqueville would have neither, would have neither, and we A's, AAs can heartily agree with him. Um, so that that is basically the the research that we found on that, and we would like to add that as the minority, we would like to propose that Aussie bring back the goats and the sheep 
<laughs> that is our ruling. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. This is a very powerful function at a conference. Uh, the, I've seen it many times where the conference votes a particular action to be carried out and somebody will get up at the microphone and they will ask for a, a, a re-vote. They will express their opinion um, about it and uh, the discussion will go on again for another three hours. For example, uh, a number of years ago there was a discussion about the literature committee said we will not publish a pamphlet aimed at gays. The conference approved it. A number of people got up and they said, uh, the, the chairman said, does the minority wish to have its opinion heard? And the minority did. So they got up and they expressed their opinion. And I remember one of the delegates said to me, uh, Des, he says, you just got to help us do this. I mean, he's a gay guy. He said, you got to help us do this. He said, because... He says, I see people all the time falling. He just said this to me privately, you know, wasn't falling away because they can't, they can't get to it. So I got up and I spoke in favor of it. And a number of other people picked it up and, because I, I was uh, opposed to it. And I, I went along with the Literature Committee's recommendation. I voted against it. So I then got up and spoke in favor of it and asked for a re-vote. And uh, it ultimately passed. And there was a pamphlet uh, uh, developed. Another example where... Um, the conference was was uh, protected from the tyranny of the majority. Was the issue of um, electing uh, people from outside the New York area to be general trustees, to be general trustees, general service trustees. Uh, it had been the New York metropolitan area was to uh, develop those trustees, and the rest of the country developed the regional trustees and the trustees at large. So. The conference was stampeding into voting in favor of that to allow it to be opened up. And a number of people there said, wait a minute, we haven't had time to sufficiently discuss this. And what happened was the conference changed their vote and postponed it for another year to give the delegates and the trustees and everybody ample time to discuss that issue. And the issue was ultimately passed in the same way that it was originally proposed at the preceding conference, but the majority was just slowed down and people had a chance to digest it and think about it and get a feeling for it. Now moving into the relationship between the trustees and the conference, we have uh, concept number seven. And we have Barry going to speak about that. Thanks, Del. I'm Barry, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm... Uh, I'm a little blown away here. I, uh, yeah, I'm one of those drunks that uh, came to meetings and thought uh, that the old adage of just don't drink and go to meetings is all I needed, you know. And, and uh, I took GSR recently because uh, someone said it was available, you know, and that's something you do. And, and uh, I begin to understand that if, if all I did was don't drink and go to meetings, uh, there probably wouldn't be any meetings, you know. And that's why we're all sitting here. Concept 7 says that the uh, conference recognizes that the charter and the bylaws of the General Service Board are legal instruments. That the trustees are therefore, thereby fully empowered to manage and conduct all the World Service Affairs of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is further understood that the conference charter itself is not a legal document, that it relies instead upon the force of tradition and the power of the AA purse for its final effectiveness. You know, and, and, the, and the key to this reminds me of when I was in high school and, you know, we learned about uh, checks and balances you know, from our founding fathers. And, you know, I, 
I can think back how I'd expect that from Thomas Jefferson or uh, George Washington and the others, that they're brilliant and, and we had a balance of powers, but from a bunch of drunks sitting around, that somewhere down the road they could realize that to grow and to keep this thing rolling and make some sense had to have uh, its own system of checks and balances, which is what I read this concept to be. Um, basically, it, it, it takes and, and makes a balance of power. You know, it, that, that they, they saw in the, in the 50s or whenever it was that, uh, that it needed this, that, um, that if we sat around as groups, we'd want a purple big book and a, and a yellow cover and, and languages in the first chapter in one language and the second chapter in a different language. And, and we wouldn't know which printer to go to and how much to charge. And, and there were things that we know well and we know what we want. We know we want the big book. We know we want the program to grow. And sometimes we don't have the intelligence level or perhaps the wherewithal to handle this. So we, we created the boards, and, and uh, because they have to deal in the real world, is what I'm reading here, there have to be some legal impl implications. Um, as you talked about the, the circle and the triangle, you know, you can battle for the rest of your lives. And, you know, I recall stories of corporations losing their logos because they weren't protected legally. And I think we, within, that, within that framework, we have put on, according to traditions, uh, I believe it's seven and eight or eight and nine, that we do need service boards and we need people who are very well versed in the world around us, which we have to live in and participate in. But in, at the same time, we've kept a system of checks and balances which allow us to filter from our, our base group and our individual person, our own conscience, into group conscience, to regional conscience, to have people that we trust enough to make decisions in our good name, uh, to, to handle it and be the ultimate power, but understand that the, the, the board that they work with, the legal entity, also has some knowledge and, and kind of like we'll go along with them. Uh, we, we can knock them down, but we're not going to because we believe in them. And uh, that's kind of what I see in, 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 the, in the Concept 7. Excellent. Excellent. And vice versa. You know, the trustees have tremendous respect for the conference and the conference committees. And all in the discussions that go on every day at all the trustee meetings, the concern is what are we getting from the delegates? What is their desire? What are they getting from the groups? Because remember, the point is that the groups are the effective conscience of AA. Not the trustees, not the delegates, but it's the delegates, the groups, the staff, the trustees, the directors, everybody together in that conference that crystallized. But if you don't have input from the groups, you've lost your starting point. Thank you. Okay. Um, now, how about the trustees? How do they relate to the corporation? Number eight. Stan. My name is Stan. I'm an alcoholic. I am truly having a spiritual experience of the educational variety this morning. It's quite an experience. Concept 8, the trustees of the General Service Board act in two primary capacities with respect to the larger matters of overall policy and finance. They are the principal planners and administrators. They and their primary committees directly manage these affairs, but with respect to our separately incorporated and constantly active services, the relation of the trustees is mainly that of full stock ownership and of custodial oversight, which they exercise through their ability to elect all directors of these entities. So basically, the, the uh, trustees are wearing two hats. 
One is not so not so specific. One is really in the port of a form of a board of managers. They're not executives, not really making final decisions. There's a tremendous balance and counterbalance that you heard with the various segments of the organization. On the other hand, what they are, as it says in the manual, they're a holding company. What are they holding? They're holding stock. And what are they holding stock in? Two separate corporations. One is AA World Services, Inc., and the other is Grapevine, Inc. And to try and, for Janelle and Mike and myself, to try and interrelate this and bring this all together to make it palatable for us and to explain it, it's like we're right now with the trustees. We're at the very base of that inverted triangle. It looks crazy when you look at it. It shouldn't stay up there. It doesn't belong. That is absolutely true. It should not work. Step two, step eight, rather, like eight in the tradition and concept, step eight, the key word of step eight is willing. Okay, willing. For me to get sober, I have to be willing, willing to get involved. Bill W., who wrote, specifically wrote these, he was willing to go any lengths to keep this thing from falling apart, like the Oxford group, like the Washingtonians. What keeps this pyramid up? It's the concrete that's formed by these concepts and traditions that this pyramid is buried into. And I'm just realizing this this morning. I had no idea of how intricate and how complex the balance is, and it's absolutely amazing. For example, the eighth tradition is wonderful how he explains it here. The eighth tradition is the utilization of nonprofessional people forever shall be our servants. But we get people like this. We get people with the right talents, the right abilities to get in there and put their backsides into this and make it all hang together. And that's why it works, and that's why it's not going to topple over. It will stay this way. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Great job. Now, the working relationships of the conference are described in concept number 10. We have a new member of our group here. I'm Betsy, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Betsy. I'm a complicated alcoholic with a simple concept. And uh, concept 10 is uh, every service responsibility should be matched by an equal service authority. The scope of such authority to be always well-defined, whether by tradition, by resolution, by specific job description, or by appropriate charters and bylaws. Complicated words in here, but I think it comes down to basically responsibility and uh, authority and that they should match. Um, I've been with my little group for uh, <laughs> a few minutes, really. We didn't get uh, too much time to talk about it. Um, but. Um, I can see how this relates to me personally um, as my job as a GSR for my group. Um, my responsibilities are to uh, show up to district meetings and uh, carry the um, group conscience of my group into the district and, and area level. And my responsibility is to bring back to the group um, what's going on. Uh, on, uh, on that level. And um, uh, I can see here where responsibility and authority are carried through 
um, on on all levels, from the personal spiritual level to to uh, how the whole pyramid works. Um, in that, the in uh, tradition two, the uh, ultimate authority, our ultimate authority, is the group conscience. Uh, but our ultimate authority comes from our higher power, and um, that's part of my responsibility. Is, is in my service position is to maintain. Uh, contact with that authority and not to have my authority of my will and, and my mind, you know, um, and my ego, that isn't the authority here. Um, the other part of it and on authority, um, each of the corporations, I mean, the AAWS doesn't publish the grapevine. The grapevine doesn't publish the big book. The delegates don't meet with the general service board. <coughs> The General Service Board doesn't meet with the conference committees. So there is a structure, a very clear structure, with which each entity acts and has independence and freedom to act. Mm -hmm. And they're giving the total freedom to do that. And the, there's specific jobs in, in all of the jobs in the pyramid and all levels. And they are, this says that they are well-defined. And in fact, they are, and that's how the... Uh, rotation, I think, works is mm -hmm. that you can step in. It's the job is well defined and uh, the responsibility is laid out. If I'm the secretary, I'm not to do the treasurer's work. I'm not to do the DCM's work, and um, and I have to remember that. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. a personal issue because uh, it's easy f to want to step over the bounds. You know, I feel like in service work. Um, you know, God utilizes my character defects, you know, and I get to see them, and, 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 and in essence, they're being used. Um, maybe I've, I've got an ego, and I want to control things, and that's why I'm in this position, but it also helps me personally, and, and it's utilized um, to help the, the group. So uh, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, like I said, I think uh, Tradition 2 is the ultimate authority that's pretty much here, and, and, and Unity, uh, Tradition 1, that, that uh, this works through, through the balance of authority and responsibility, and that's the unity of, mm -hmm. of the whole triangle. Yep. I probably left something out, but uh, thanks. Thank you. And number 11, how the trustees relate to the committees, to the paid workers, and so forth. Glenn. Hi, I'm glad I'm an alcoholic. And after listening to everybody uh, so eloquently speak, I must say I feel a little inadequate here. And I wasn't here yesterday, but uh, I guess that's why by default I am the uh, presenter for Concept 11. And, and my two cohorts, Bruce and uh, Van, told me that I'm a real alcoholic. So dazzle them with my footwork. So Concept 11 reads, uh, while the trustees hold final responsibilities for AA's World Service Administration, they should always have the assistance of the best possible standing committees, corporate service directors, executives, staffs, and consultants. Therefore, the composition of these underlying committees and service boards, the personal qualifications of their members, the manner of their induction into service, the systems of their rotation, the way in which they are related to each other, the special rights and duties of our executives, staffs, and consultants, together with a proper basis for the financial con compensation of these workers, will always uh, be managed with serious care and, and concern. 
And uh, I guess this intertwines a little bit with uh, Tradition 8, uh, which tells us that um, alcoholics and I should always uh, be non-professional, but uh, may, um, uh, the service centers may employ um, special workers. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, trying to, you know, uh, put this in a synopsis of getting good help, um, helping them to be good help, and then letting them go ahead and do their jobs. And, and have faith about that. Um, uh, it also says that uh, the status of the executives about having one person, um, you know, and again to to I guess to have to uh, have faith and trust in that that one pay, person will be a competent uh, person and do his job well. Um, also about the um, the paid workers. And and uh, and how they should be compensated. Uh, obviously, they should be compensated as any other worker uh, who would not be an AA, uh, recovering AA, would come in and do that job um, to be paid fairly, um, because you do get what you pay for. Um, and, uh, oh yes, and the musical hats um, about uh, uh, rotation again. Um, and that uh, I, I think the basis is for that is that no one really gains too much power um, and that our leaders are uh, but trusted servants and they do not govern, which uh, I think also relates to tradition too. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. In, in, in just to say again that they should be paid fairly um, uh, and to rotate and to uh, share responsibility. That's it. Thanks, Glenn. One of the floor actions at the 1992 conference was that the general manager of the General Service Office and the Alcoholics Anonymous World Service Board, AAWS, devised an equitable system of pay for the GSO staff that embraces the spiritual principles of Concept 11 and complies with all applicable laws. So that was something that is still being discussed and still being worked on, although there is a very, very effective system for uh, payment in there now. Now, what I'd like to do now is just summarize here quickly for you, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll have about an hour to come back, and I'll share with you some thoughts about, my thoughts about AA in the 90s, and then we have a panel, and we'll break up about 1 o'clock. In an article in the, did somebody, what? No, I understand that. But uh, what we agreed, Peter asked me to just handle the morning session as I would like to handle the morning session. So the way I'd like to handle it is the way I just described. The um, AA Grapevine, November issue of the Grapevine, um, is, uh, has an article in here by Mike Alexander. Now, Mike was the chairman of the AA trustees for uh, three years. He was a trustee for nine years. Then he was brought back as a general service board uh, chairman of the board. Uh, and was that in that position for five years. And the title of the article is uh, Butterflies in Beijing. A Butterfly in Beijing. And it's a wonderful article because he quotes a Chinese phrase that says, uh, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Beijing, uh, it, the, the change in the air patterns may be felt in New York. And he links that up to AA flapping its wings in the world 
and changing the air patterns of everything in the world. But one of the things he says, as a, as a young man, he was brought in by Bernard Smith, who was Bill Wilson's lawyer, to handle, and, and Mike's law firm handled the structure of the General Service Board. And um, he was brought in as a young associate to work on AA, going back, I don't know how many years, 50 years? Not that many, but 30 years anyway, 30, 40, 40 years. And he goes on to say, he says, Stan's point is so much to the point that how can this whole thing work? He says, Bernard Smith introduced me to Bill W. And it's fair to say that Bill introduced me to AA. What I saw when I looked at Alcoholics Anonymous in those early days was to me a most unusual sight. I saw a conference that had responsibilities but no legal authority. A foundation that had legal authority and the foundation in those days was the GSB, the General Service Board. A foundation or General Service Board that had legal authority but no one against whom it could be enforced because the AA groups were autonomous. A fellowship whose members not the fellowship, decided whether they were eligible for membership. A membership in which members were not required to pay dues or register or abide by what anybody in authority had to say. And finally, I saw a charity organized for noble purposes but without any money to speak of and a tradition that would not permit it to accept money from the general public. Nothing I had learned at law school prepared me for my first encounter with AA. Nothing. So Stan, if you feel you're puzzled. Um, you've had the experience in a small way of service here this morning. And... Um, I think you've established clearly the spiritual authority of this, of the concepts of the program, how they relate to the traditions and the steps. In one of the writings, Bill, I think, talks about building a cathedral of the spirit by the service structure of AA. So I think maybe you begin to see in some small way how this is really a cathedral of the spirit. That the anonymity, the trust, the service, the sacrifice, the humility that pertains to each of the individual members and the structures are what is the glue that keeps this impossible cathedral together. It's, an, it's, it's a powerful management paradigm that shouldn't work in modern-day parlance. It's based upon the spiritual characteristics of us as people, giving us total freedom to do whatever we want to do and still work, provided we are anonymous and humble. One of the things that this morning proved to me and last night proved to me, again, as I've always marveled at the conference in action, because I know the conference shouldn't work. In the first two days of the conference, we get crucified. Everybody feels rotten. And by the end of it, nobody wants to go home. And what happened to me here today was we've, I've never done this before in terms of letting you guys handle the concepts. And I knew it would work because we're so great. 
We are great. We are just incredible people. And you know, it worked. I learned a lot about the concepts today through you. And I hope you learned about the concepts through me and everybody else. So thank you very much. Take a 10-minute break. So what we do is I, ch- I just share with you a few summary thoughts about um, uh, the AA message, first of all, how we have set up a structure to carry out the message to the world, which we just experienced to some extent. The difficulties in doing that, of course, are not only internal to us, our own character defects and our own addictions and whatever, but also there's a very real world out there which is changing consistently. And we as alcoholics respond to that change in our own inimicable way. And then share with you some of the history of how the early AAs dealt with change and their fears and how they put them to rest and how we can use that as a prototype for our own fears, which really results in having us here who have come to study the steps and the traditions and the concepts be outwardly focused. But it doesn't end here, you know, at this weekend. The weekend in itself is a marvelous thing. But the objective is to become involved in the service structure so that that hand of yours, which has been touched by the hand of God, can touch the hand of an alcoholic out there who hasn't heard of us before.